Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, this is Joshua Kulp. This is the Daily Daf Differently for Daf Zayin of Masechet Tubot, the seventh Daf of Masechet Tubot. So you'll be glad to know we're not dealing with virginity claims, at least for the next couple Dapim. We have now uh, something that begins on Daf Zayin Amad Aleph and continues for several Dapim. We have several sugiot about uh, the brachot, that are said at um, the betrothal and at the wedding. And I wanted to introduce the subject by pointing out that um, we're seeing in the Gemara a time that probably was in great flux in terms of wedding customs and in terms of customs of blessings. Uh, we know from the Mishnah and an early period, at least of rabbinic law, that there were two stages in, Jew- in the Jewish marital process. There was what was called betrothal, kiddushin, and there's nisuin, marriage. Now, a lot of societies have a two-stage marital process. Our society also has a two-stage marital process. You don't go from being a girlfriend, boyfriend, what have you, um, just to get married immediately. Usually what people do is they announce a public announcement of their intention to marry. We call this um, engagement, fiancé, whatever term you might use. Uh, and there's a period between engagement and marriage. It may last in Israel, it lasts a couple months. In America, it could last up to a couple years. Um, and during that period, uh, it doesn't require a divorce. Uh, but there's a cert- sort of a firm commitment from the couple that we're going to get married, and the wedding plans are usually uh, start to be made during that period. Jewish law has that too. The one thing that's very different about rabbinic law, at least the rabbinic version of Jewish law, is that um, we have a very, very strong form of betrothal. We're going to see that in the bracha itself. What I mean by a very strong form of betrothal is that the critical moment uh, of commitment is made not at the marriage, but at betrothal, such that a dissolution of a betrothal in traditional Jewish law requires a full divorce, the same divorce, basically, that would be required after marriage. So if a husband or a husband and a wife decide that they don't want to go ahead with their marriage, but they already have done kiddushin, according to the Mishnah and the Talmud, uh, they uh, have to, he has to divorce her. Uh, and this is a very problematic halacha because you get all of the problems of marriage without the benefit. The benefit will be leaving together, having relations together, forming a family. The problem is it's hard to dissolve marriage. Um, if she were to sleep with another person during that period, it would be called adultery, and she requires a get, and notoriously it's very difficult for a woman to get a get, um, or it could be difficult, I should say. It could be difficult for a woman to get a get. Um, it's an issue, as you probably know, in Jewish law. So what eventually happened, because this is really a problematic halacha, is that we conflated the two um, stages into one event, 
that takes place today under the chuppah. Today we do formal betrothal and formal uh, marriage at the same time and two sets of brachot. Um, we use two sets of cups um, of wine and um, we really conflate those into one ritual. Now we don't know when that change occurred. That's why I'm bringing this up. We don't know really at what point in history it became standardized for the betrothal and the marriage to occur at the same time. It may have happened in the Talmudic period. We know for a fact it happened by the period of the Rishonim, the commentators on the Talmud. We don't know when it happened. Now our sugya, at least in the beginning, does not reflect that, that change because our sugya begins, I'm beginning on Zion and Bet, with Tanu Rabbanan. It was taught in a bright. Mevarchin berkat chatanim beveit chatanim. Rabbi Yehuda Omer af beveit ha'irusin mevarchin So the first opinion says you say the blessing, the groomsman's blessing, at the house of the groom when the bride moves into the house. That was the traditional form of marriage in the time of the Talmud. What really was marriage? It was the wife moving, the woman moving into the husband's house, leaving her her father's house. It was as you probably are well aware, a patriarchal society. She would at least, the idealized idealized picture of it is she would move out of her father's house and moved into her husband's house. That's why it's called Birkat Chatanim. We never, the word Sheva Brachot does not appear in the Talmud, if you're curious. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, we even say it in the Beit HaErusim, the house where the betrothal occurred, which was probably her father's house, which is very puzzling. Why should we say the... Um, groom's blessing in the house where the betrothal occurs. Uh, and that's what Abai is going to answer in a second, but I want to suggest that already here, maybe in Rabbi Yehuda's time, you may already have some kind of confusion as to um, what goes on in between betrothal and marriage. Rabbi Yehuda may, in a sense, be saying that betrothal really is marriage. Uh, Abai sort of says that in a second. Abai says, Rabbi Yehuda shanu. Right. They taught that Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in the land of Judea. We're going to learn about this as we go on in this chapter. That in Judea there was a custom for the bride and the groom to have seclusion before Nisuin, before the marriage. And Abai says that that halacha of Rabbi Yehuda only applies to Judea where they really conflated it. But I'd like to suggest uh, conflated betrothal and marriage. That maybe Rabbi Yehuda says, look, everywhere these days, Already in the time of the Mishnah, they're already conflating Erusin and Nisuin, despite the fact that in Halakha we have a distinction. Um, by my time, I recognize that this distinction may not be preserved so well. Um, going on, Tanya Idach, another brighter said, Mevarchin Birkat Chatanim Beveta Chatanim, U Birkat Erusin Beveta Erusin. Now, this is a brighter for the first time we learn that there are two sets of bracha. There's Birkat Chatanim, the blessing for groomsmen, that said in the groom's house when marriage occurs. But Birkat Ha'irusin, the betrothal blessing, that's the bracha that's said in the house of betrothal. This brighta, the first brighta is found in Tanaitic sources, Tanaitic compositions. This brighta, I believe, is only found in the Bavli, and it may represent sort of a, 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 an adaptation of that earlier brighta to say, no, there is a distinction between the Erusin home and the Chatanim home, the house in which marriage occurs. So now they ask, Birkata Erusin, my Mevarech. What's the version? What is the Bracha over Birkata Erusin? And that's what I want to spend the rest of my time talking about. Ravin bar 
Ravin bar Rav Ada, Varaba bar Rav Ada, Tarveyu Mishmei de Rav Yehuda Amrei. So these two Amorim said the name of Rav Yehuda. Baruch Ata Hashem Ha'akinu Melech Haram, Asher Kitshanu Yitzlav Etzivanu, Al Ha'arayot, Vasar Lanu Et Arusot, Vihitir Lanu Et Anisuot, Al Yedei Chupa Vekidushin. So that is the bracha. I'm not going to translate it all. You can find it in any sidurim. If you've been to a Jewish wedding, you recognize that is the first bracha that we say. Um, that's the Birkata Erusin to this day. Um, I want to make a couple notes about the nusach, the precise wording. I think it's very interesting change in the wording. You may have noticed a slight chant change. Some Ashkenazim say today, lanu and in the suot lanu al They add another to us in there. That added to us was by, added by Rabbeinu Tam, who said, "Look, what does it mean that he permitted?" married women, the end of that, someone might hear that and say, well, look, when a woman has marriage, she's permitted to anyone. So how can you say, she's permitted to everyone, as if, as if you're saying that. So Rabbeinu Tam added another lanu. He added another emphasis in there that marriage only permits the woman to have relations with her husband. I find it very hard to imagine that somebody seeing a, mar uh, a wedding ceremony may have uh, been under the misimpression from the precise wording of the bracha that once a woman gets married, she can now have sex with any man that she wants and it would never be considered adultery. Uh, I find that a very difficult assumption and I think it requires further research why Rabina Tom really made that switch. Um, the other thing, another thing I want to mention about the Nusach of the Bracha is a lot of the Rishonim have questions about Chupa Kiddushin. Why say Chupa, Chupa, and then Kiddushin, the betrothal? After all, Chupa happens after betrothal. In the normal state of affairs, first you do betrothal, to this day we still do that, and then you do Chupa, which is the symbol of wedding, of the wedding. So why mention them in that order? So Shama Friedman, my doctoral advisor, a very famous academic Talmudist, said, look, it had nothing to do with the order of the procedure of the events. What this really is, is a reflection of the linguistic tendency to say shorter words first. And he has a whole article where he says, he shows that in pairs of words, you say the shorter word first. Chupa, two syllables. Kiddushin, three syllables. So the shorter word comes first. The article is called Kola Katsar Kodem. Whatever is short comes first. Um, to me, it sort of uh, matches. I think it works in English too. So you say sick and tired. Sick has one syllable. Tired is really two syllables. So you don't say tired and sick. You say sick and tired. You can check out other phrases and see if it works. Um, Finally, I want to conclude where I started with. Why mention chuppah in the time of Erusin? Right? Why mention the wedding in the bracha of Erusin? Uh, and again, either uh, this may reflect a time when the two ceremonies were already being conflated. Maybe the version of the bracha ref reflects that. Or maybe it's a little bit of foreshadowing saying, look, you're getting betrothed now. You can't have relations. Asar lanu et arusot. You're forbidden to have relations with your betrothed wife. But uh, chuppah is coming up in the future, so know that the real uh, sort of prize, the real goal of this marriage, or one of the goals of the marriage, is coming up later on. I will make one more pitch for my book, Reconstructing the Talmud. Uh, Ethan Tucker, who is the Rosh Yeshiva, or one of the Rosh Yeshiva at Machon Hadar, who helped publish our book, um, 
wrote an interesting article, a fascinating article on the two cups of wine used at the wedding service, at the wedding ceremony. So if you're interesting, interested in a little historical reconstruction of those two cups of wine, I suggest you pick up a copy of Reconstructing the Talmud, which is available uh, either on Amazon or you can order directly from Machon Hadar. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.